asks the universe a question. Do you agree with the following statement? When you truly ask a deeply spiritual question, the universe brings you the answer through experience, through relationship, through coincidence, and through perhaps even adventure. I have an example of this in my own life. Now, if we could be so conscious as to realize we were asking the universe a question, that would be one thing. For me, it usually happens as a point of clarity in my stream of consciousness. I'm just thinking, thinking, and this wondering happens, and all of a sudden it feels like someone is listening to me when I thought I was alone. Someone or something is present in this empty room of my mind. That is what I'm calling the universe. I once asked the following question. Who sees me? Or to put it another way, whose eyes do I live in? And I mean that in a couple of ways. First, do I live and experience my life by my own self-perceptions? Or do I live observing myself in the eyes of my father? Or longing for the eyes of my ex-partner? There's an old icebreaker question that goes, Describe yourself as your best friend would describe you. Or, describe yourself as your parents might describe you. And the point is, not how do they see you, but how does how they see you affect how you see yourself? I've seen many people smile and cry in answering those questions, because it shows the impact of how others see us on ourselves, and how we can take on those perceived viewpoints, and they can dominate how we view ourselves in our lives. The other way I meant the question was, is it possible in life to be fully seen, to be fully understood? There's this part of us, and many of us, I would guess, that feels like an island, that this inner world most of us identify with as ourselves is something that is eternally isolated from all other people and from life itself. So there's an aspect of my question here that was based on an innate feeling that parts of me don't really exist until fully seen by another, that in order to fully be, I must be fully seen. So I asked this question. I ask it to the universe in my head, and then I pretty much forget it. You know, the commercial is over and Family Guy's back on TV. But about a day or two later, I'm out someplace and I meet this interesting, educated man from Ireland. And you know, he's one of those people that doesn't belong in the place he's in. He's a character. And you know, if you accord to the idea that life is made up of adventures to be had, then you can know that when you meet a mysterious stranger, that's a sign that an adventure is about to begin. Now, he didn't tell me to go in search of a treasure or try to sell me magic beans, but what he did do is tell me his favorite book, The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundera, a book written by a Czech author in the early 80s about a romance that takes place in communist-invaded Prague in the 1960s. And there's this electricity when he's talking about it that tells me, read this book. So I take a mental note, and of course it gets lost in the clutter in there, and I forget all about it. So about two weeks after, a friend gives me a book. And I think her, and I turn to the front page, and there's a quote. What's it from? The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundera. So I'm listening now. I got to go get this book. Two days later, I'm at a dinner with a girl... And I'll tell you the first thing I saw when I looked at the menu. At the top it read, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. I don't know how, I don't know why, but it did. This is what I call a spiritual uncle. 
a moment where the universe has spoken so clearly you just have to give in. So I get the book, and the next day it just happens I'm on a flight. It's a perfect time. I read the whole book in that one sitting. Now, as I mentioned, the book is on romance, but really it's a book on philosophy. So I'm reading this book, and this moment happens, a moment of truth. It is as if time freezes as I read the following lines. And it is only at this time that I realize I was brought to this book because of my question. Kundera shares, We all need someone to look at us. We can be divided into four categories according to the kind of look we wish to live under. The first category longs for the look of an infinite number of anonymous eyes. In other words, for the look of the public. The second category is made up of people who have a vital need to be looked at by many known eyes. They are the tireless hosts of cocktail parties and dinners. They are happier than the people in the first category, who, when they lose their public, have the feeling that the lights have gone out in the room of their lives. This happens to nearly all of them sooner or later. People in the second category, on the other hand, can always come up with the eyes they need. Then there is the third category, the category of people who need to be constantly before the eyes of the person they love. Their situation is as dangerous as the situation of people in the first category. One day, the eyes of their beloved will close, and the room will go dark. And finally, there is the fourth category, the rarest, the category of people who live in the imaginary eyes of those who are not present. They are the dreamers. Pretty deep stuff to find in a romance novel, right? Now, I'm not saying this was the answer to my question, but it was an important start. The thing I think you have to understand about this statement is that Kundera is not making a point about how others see us, but about how we see ourselves. We can see ourselves as just wanting to exist, to be recognized, no matter if it's good or if it's bad. We can see ourselves as just wanting to fit into the world, to meet the status quo, to simply belong. We can see ourselves as wanting to be accepted, if only by one person, at least one. Or we can see ourselves as living in the tradition of those whom we most admire, whether we're seen by everyday people or not. And that's what I think I was really wanting to get, which was how to see who I truly am. It's no coincidence to me that what most people long for most in life involves being seen. What does it mean to be seen? Well, for most of us, it means to be paid attention to, witnessed, recognized, acknowledged, but there's also a deeper spiritual aspect, to be truly known. When I say I want to be seen, I want to be known. I want to be understood. And there is this even deeper aspect of being seen that helps us, in a sense, become even more ourselves, as if we are a firm that what we thought might be known only in the invisible inside ourselves isn't invisible anymore. Ultimately, this adventure of sorts led me to what I believe today about being seen, and that is that there are three types of people in your life. The first type of person sees you for who they want you to be. These are, one, those who just simply compare you to their status quo understanding of how you look, a person of color or not, skinny or overweight, liberal-looking or potentially MAGA-leaning, attractive or unattractive, and so on. These are also those who you play a particular role for. This can be a positive, mom or dad, husband or wife, best friend, trusted co-worker, 
but it can also limit someone from seeing the whole you. The second type of person sees you for who you used to be. These can be great friends who remember your past, but it can also be judgments people have of you that limit you, that limit your ability to grow in their own eyes. Lastly, there is the person who sees you for who you want to be. These are our teachers. Ultimately, I believe in what I'll call the eyes of the sacred. It's a vision that sees us at our highest always, and I believe it's always available for us to step into, for ourselves and for others. It, in short, is how God sees us. And it's not just some sweet vision. It's, in a way, required to fulfill our potential, to live in the eyes of the sacred. Unless we can see ourselves at our best, we will not be able to experience ourselves at our best. Until we see another at his or her best, we will not be able to experience another at their best. And a great human mistake is the idea that I will see you this way when, or I will view myself as complete when I. No, as a goal is born out of a vision, so must we have the vision in order to truly experience the fulfillment of that very goal. So that's my story about asking the universe a question. What do you want to ask the universe? What do you want to truly know? What does it mean, universe, to truly love and be loved? What does it mean, universe, to really live a life of meaning? What does it mean, universe, to really forgive and let go? Universe, why am I here? Universe, how am I to live my life? Your job is not to answer, but to listen deeply to your life. For answers will not come, but guides that lead you to exactly what it is you need to know.